Hello and welcome to Matt and Kevin Talk Church, two pastors, two old friends from two different denominations on two different coasts, talking about faith, culture, the Bible, and the ins and outs of church ministry. I'm Matt Curtis, pastor of Decision Life Church in Myrica, California. I'm Kevin Sheehan, associate pastor of Reformed Presbyterian Church in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. Welcome to the podcast. Well, hey, everyone. Today is Easter Monday, April 5th. We're still riding high on sugar from uh, My children are in a diabetic coma, so, (laughs) you know, I'm kidding. That's to say my kids did not fall asleep at the proper bedtime last night. Holy shnikes. (laughs) But we had a good day yesterday. So we have a special podcast for everyone today. We're really excited to have a guest on the show today. Uh, She's wonderful. She's a member of my church here in Effort, Pennsylvania, and we're just delighted to have her on. So... Um, Stephanie Hubach, welcome to the podcast. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to expending all my sugar energy in my word. (laughs) There we go. We're excited to learn from you. We're going to have a rollicking good time. So uh, for those of you at RPC here in Ephrata, you know who Steph is, but for those of you that don't, and I'm assuming that's most of our listeners, um, Steph is uh, certainly a valued member of our church here. And um, she is a Research Fellow in Disability Ministries at Covenant Theological Seminary out in St. Louis. She's also the Mission to North America's Special Needs Ministries Founding Director back in 2007. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's our denominations ministry, uh, disability ministry. And she's also an author, which just makes Matt and I just really jealous right off the bat. Well, um, it's because we're failed authors and she's actually <laughs> achieved the thing you and I have both failed to do. But <laughs> yeah, so she is the author of the book, Same Lake, Different Boat, now on its second edition, I believe, uh, coming Mine alongside will be arriving people. today in the mail. <laughs> so coming alongside people touched by disability. So we are delighted to have Steph on the podcast. So welcome again. Um, why don't you just take a few minutes and uh, introduce yourself? Or, thanks. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, I'd have to say something about the author thing right out at the gate is that I never had any aspirations to be an author. It's kind of funny. See, that just makes it worse. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's even more unfair. Like salt in <laughs> wound. Anyway. <laughs> with all the things we kept learning in disability ministry, first I tried a website to get them written down so people would stop calling me. <laughs> and then and then more people still called me. So then my husband said, you really got to start writing this stuff down. So then everybody told me I should write a book. And I said, I don't know how to write a book. But then I thought, well, I do know how to write an essay. So maybe if I just keep writing essays, then somehow coalesce and become something magically known as a book. <laughs> maybe so, that's, maybe that's our, maybe that should be our new strategy, Matt. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what the book project I'm working on basically is. Okay. Oh, then so, you're on the right path, Matt. You're uh, yeah. <laughs> and both people that read it will be really <laughs> My mom and Kevin are going to be the people who read that. I'll buy a copy too. We're up to three now. Look, a 50% increase in sales. (laughs) I forgot to tell you my background's in economics too. So the numbers tend to pour out. Anyway, so uh, yeah, so I also, in addition to working for Covenant and having the privilege of being a member of RPC for many years, um, I have uh, two two kids. My husband, Fred, and I have two kids. Uh, My oldest son, Fred, is married to Cecilia and they live in Washington, DC and have our lovely grandchild, Caroline June. And then uh, our younger son, Tim, uh, lives at home with us in his own apartment and he is 29 and he has Down syndrome. So he's our, our most uh, logical entree into disability ministry. Although the real credit I think belongs to our 
our dear friends, Roger and Patty Coiner, who had uh, not just one, but two sons born with significant uh, disabilities and medical issues when uh, they were born and their kids were born before uh, Tim was. So, um, so uh, they were our first real uh, experience with disability. And then, you know, it was really amazing how God providentially provided them as our friends as we entered into this journey with Tim coming into our world as well. So, so yeah, how did I get into disability ministry per se? Like I said, my background is actually in economics. I worked for a Department of Defense uh, contractor in DC for a number of years. And then I taught economics at the local, some of the local colleges around here. So I always tell people if I can get into disability ministry, anybody. <laughs> but as I, I mentioned to you guys earlier, my involvement with a uh, early intervention program in State College where we were living for a stint in Tim's preschool years, uh, just really, God just really used that time to help me see the disconnect between the local church and the families we served. There was almost no overlap, right? And and so I remember thinking, I, and I still have this picture on my refrigerator as a picture that I think was from an Arab World Ministries uh, ad. And it, and it basically said, it was the idea that we have, you know, we have the water, right? The water that these families need. And yet if we're not offering it, right, uh, we're really missing, really missing an amazing opportunity and a really essential gospel opportunity, right? To reach families touched by disability in the community. So uh, basically, short story long, through a, a number of providential encounters and faithful service by RPC, by the RPC as a church, when we moved back to this area, really committing to disability ministry and really trying to be learners together in this process, we were able to share what we learned with other churches in our denomination and eventually uh, were asked to start a disability ministry for the PCA from scratch and it's still going today under the name Engaging Disability now. So this is a good resource to have. And also, it's, they also serve people outside of the PCA as well. So engagingdisability.org. So that's a really great resource to have for churches to contact. So. Well, that's good. Thanks, Steph. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it doesn't take long in talking to you to know that disability ministry is obviously a passion of yours. And so is yeah. the local church a passion of yours. And yeah. much of your time has been spent kind of equipping churches um, mm-hmm. uh, to do disability ministry. You know, Matt was saying earlier, no church no church sets out to be bad at disability ministry, um, but a lot of churches just don't even know what they don't know yeah. to, even, to even get started. And I know RPC, when I first came here three and a half years ago, uh, you know, from the outset, I, I learned pretty quickly that uh, mercy ministry and disability ministry has been a hallmark of RPC from its outset, mm-hmm. just because those are the people that we had that were part of our church family. And uh, it almost out of necessity became a hallmark uh, in one of the emphasized ministries of the church. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in your experience going around to different churches and different places, uh, speaking to people, what do churches not even realize? Yeah, I think that, uh, well, probably a lot of different things. One in particular is I think we make it overly complicated, right? We have a tendency uh, in culture to be so specialized, right? You think every area of medicine is very specialized, right? We think in order to to minister to or long and alongside people with disabilities, and we have to have, you have to be a special ed professional, right? Or you have to be a social worker, right? You have to have some kind of, of degree or something. And that's simply not true. It really is just right. about relationship. Um, and I think one of the ways I like to describe disability ministry 
uh, doesn't even actually use the word disability disability in it, right? Because it's it's making the gospel, the good news of the coming of Christ's kingdom, accessible to all in word and deed, right? right. So right. it's that right. idea of how do we make the gospel accessible to everyone, and that and that's obviously you can see you can I'm sure your bells are going off, right? <laughs> there are lots of ways that we create barriers, right? Um, yeah. In making the gospel accessible to others. And yet the gospel, the true gospel itself is a gospel of access, right? <laughs> it's If we don't understand that Christ came to make access to the father on our behalf, right? And in response to our profound spiritual disability, right? Then we don't really understand the gospel. And when we right. do understand right. that, right, then it just dramatically changes what well, gee what things are in the way where do places are we putting obstacles in the path of people with disabilities that make the gospel inaccessible to them and how can we be become conscious of those barriers so that we can remove them okay so l- let me ask the question a different way in what ways in like a church that is um not um informed in disability ministry in what way is the gospel inaccessible uh to 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 disabled people then um, sure. It, well, think about if you think about a disability, right? Uh, well, can I can I go back and define a disability too first, and then I'll get to that? Absolutely. Matt? Yeah. Yeah. So I think if you think about it, that I, I really like to use, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, right? The whole preamble to the ADA and the <laughs> Disabilities Act, but it actually defines disability pretty effectively because what it does is it is it describes disability as having both a functional and a social dimension, right? So the functional dimension of disability, you know, is that it's the part of the the impairment, right? The part of the body that doesn't work the way we expect it to, right? That's the functional aspect of disability. But then there's the social dimension of disability, which are the ways in which we treat people with disabilities that often impair them much further than the actual functional impairment itself, right? So those things married together, right? Create this this thing we call disability. And so uh, when, and then, so you think about the functional dimensions of disability, right? A person can have an impairment that can be anywhere in their body, right? Could be, could be neurological. It could be psychological. It could be physiological, right? It could be uh, intellectual, right? It could be also, so it can affect movement. It can can affect vision, hearing, speech, um, uh, motor planning, countless different things, right? And so if if we if we plan our services and our activities, right, in our in our church culture is all oriented around the expectation that people will not have any of those limitations, right? <laughs> there's this there's a way in which then we just by by ignorance end up excluding people who do have any of those limitations. So for example, if you have a a church that has 12 steps up to the front of it, no handicap accessible entrance, right? No ramp anywhere, right? You automatically exclude people with physical disabilities who can't enter into the building, right? That's an obvious one, right? But if you have a Sunday school uh, uh, set up for kids, but you have no means by which to adapt curriculum for kids who might have learning differences, right? Then you create a barrier to the gospel, right? For those kids who learn differently or who have intellectual disabilities, right? Um, if you don't have hearing devices or available, then somebody who has is hearing impaired, right? Is not going to be able to hear the sermon or participate in things. So it's it's it becomes it's more of just developing an awareness 
that not everybody has typical, <laughs> right, typical abilities in terms of, of any of those different body functions, right? And so, and so just saying, where are we, how do we create a pathway for people to, to come into the church, literally physically get there, and then to participate in as meaningful way as possible by dial, working together with those individuals in order to, to make everything accessible to them? Yeah, I'll give an, just another example, something that happened here at RPC. A few summers ago, we decided to do a um, basically a book reading program where we say, okay, everyone in the church, we're going to read the same book over the summer just as, you know, because our Sunday school usually takes the summers off and it's just kind of one way to kind of keep somewhat connected and active and whatnot. And so we bought a whole bunch of Trevin Wax's book, This Is Our Time, and said, okay, everyone read this. And then Dwight McKay, who's the head of our disability ministry at our church, came to me and said, you know, not everyone can read this. For some people, it's it's their sight or it's, you know, whatever else. Like, that's just a real challenge. And like, I, it didn't even dawn on me. It hadn't even, it never came across my mind that that would be an obstacle or a barrier for someone to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, Dwight and others, uh, they came up with uh, a system where they would just read aloud they get together after church and just read the book aloud to whomever was interested. I thought it was just a wonderful thing and a, a really nice way of putting that into, in, into action. Yeah. So it can, so, right. So it can be any, right. It, it, take, it requires just that awareness that, okay, what kind of assumptions am I making? Right. When I'm proposing uh, any kind of ministry activity or whatever, what assumptions am I making about ability and where do I need to step back and say, where do I maybe need to make some accommodations based on who we know is in our congregation or our community, right? That this might be limiting their participation. Yeah. Yeah. So there are there are practical tools you can go through as a church, right? And and doing a, a sort of a self-assessment, right, in that area. Uh, one of the most effective things is really to find people with disabilities in your congregation who are there and maybe living a little bit more on the fringes than than they ideally could be, right? And, and really just getting their input about how can, how can we um, help us understand ways that, that your participation is hindered, right? In some way and, and how we might improve, right? To, to help you to, to be able to attend church more regularly. Maybe it's transportation, right? Or to have access to uh, devotional materials. Like for our explorers, we had an adult Sunday school class for adults with intellectual disabilities for a while. And so we uh, had uh, audio recordings of daily devotional material that they could take home and listen to, right? And so, um, but really just talking to people with disabilities themselves who are in your congregation and, and finding out what would be helpful to them I, in order to be full participants is, is one, certainly one of the first stepping stones. So Steph, just like, you know, in all the traveling that you've done and conversations that you've had, what are some of the common mistakes that you see some churches make either just out of, you know, I mean, obviously there's the lack of trying to do anything, but also maybe some of the attempts that uh, backfired or just or weren't successful in some way. Sure. Uh, you know, a couple, probably two different things strike me right away when you say that one would be uh, our posture right towards people with disabilities right whether we come into the relationship expecting not just to give but to learn 
and be the beneficiary, right, of the right. of the gifts of the other person. So uh, one of the big mistakes we can make is to have a almost a paternalistic, right, approach mm. towards people with disabilities, which comes out of a, a really kind of a a modernist medical view of disability that has sort of a fix it, right, <laughs> a fix it kind of mentality. I'm here to to help you, oh, disabled person, right? Right, right? Instead of, instead of, oh, we're our co-heirs, right? In Christ, if, in, in, for both in the, in believers, right? And, and how as uh, diverse parts of the body of Christ, can we both bless and benefit, you know, each other? Right. So I think, you know, one of the ways I like to think about respect-based relationships is that I think every relationship is fundamentally grounded on two pillars, right? You have grace, on the one hand and the image of God on the other, right? And so so uh, if any of us tried to s- simply uh, relate to other people based on our image bearing, right? Which is all the ways in which our, uh, our character ought to reflect God's character. Um, we won't go very long before we run into ways in which that falls short, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and so, and, and that's where the grace part comes in, right? To, to be able to, uh, deal with each other as, as broken people as well, right? And yet yeah, if we only yeah. move towards each other in our areas of brokenness and we don't look at each other as, as people who uh, really do shine forth uh, in, incomplete, but very real reflections of God's glory, right? As mm-hmm. well, we're gonna have unbalanced kind of relationships. So I think it's keeping those things in tension. That's, that's one. Uh, otherwise, if people, we, we're, we're big on efficiency. <laughs> In America, right? You know, we're we're pretty big. And in my background in economics, I'm constantly being, you know, I constantly yeah, guilty as charged myself. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, but I do think we have a tendency then to 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 a look at disability as a problem, people with disabilities as a problem to be solved, rather than people to be respected and loved and yeah. and you know co co heirs and co workers in the body of Christ. But secondly, then to to look at people with disabilities as a as just like a a, a group of people, right? And then often to lump them together, right? As you try to quote unquote, solve this problem at church. <laughs> and so you'll end up with these, these kind of goofy situations where you have a disability ministry and the bigger the church is, the more likely it is to kind of be in a silo, right? Yeah. And a disability ministry, maybe where all sorts of people with disabilities are all like in one room, right? And you might have a, a, a guy with high functioning autism and a four-year-old with downs right and a guy with cerebral palsy and you're like these guys have about as much in common right in terms of their learning style and all this is it's not we can go to very inappropriate lengths to to try to do this efficiently and really completely miss the boat of what it means to really be true participants in community right so So, so the way I the way I like to look at disability ministry differently than that is that rather than have it then have this idea that people like this quote unquote go there quote unquote right into <laughs> that room quote unquote right yeah. almost a special ed mindset right is to say how do how do you put together a core team of people in the church whose mission is to help every other ministry of the church to make the gospel accessible right in whatever it is that ministry does. So children's ministry, how can we serve you, right? In children's ministry that if a child with Down syndrome walks in the front door, you guys will know what to do, from, as, be as welcoming as possible as soon as that family enters the front door of the church, you know, 
how do we help our youth group to, to find ways to uh, envelop that person with autism, right, into the youth group activities? How do we make sure that woman with uh, um, intellectual disabilities gets a ride to women's Bible study? Or like you said earlier, Kevin, has somebody that can do the reading, right, for... Yeah them for for something so um so it's just it's in in order to do that you it requires a a cultural church culture transformation right i mean it has it really needs to become part of the dna of how the church not a thing we do but who we are right as a as a welcoming right um, to be be a fully integrated community and not just the you know what you put that you just kind of lump groups of people together yeah and we do that you know, just with like children sometimes too, right. the, the children's ministry completely divorced from the adult church, you know? Right. Um, right. Yeah. That's, uh, there's a few things I want, I guess, respond to with that is, sure. you know, again, the idea of the disability ministry as an integrated part of the church that, that kind of informs and influences all the other ministries. And I think that's mm-hmm. what we do at RPC, which I've mm-hmm. really learned to appreciate mm-hmm. is the you know, disability ministry can inform like in my case, the Christian Ed, you know, that was doing this book project or mm-hmm. uh, the worship or the, you know, the youth or the children's ministries or whatever. They've been really helpful in just kind of keeping that at the forefront of making sure everything we do uh, is, is seeing it through the lens uh, of everybody in the church. Right. Um, so that's been really helpful. You know, the, going back to what you said about, you know, the posture and making sure it doesn't come across as paternalistic or I don't think you said condescending, but that was the word that was kind of going through my head. You talk about this a little bit in your book, and we do want to have a whole other, I know we say this all the time, but we do want to have another podcast episode (laughs) where we just talk about the book. Um, So I don't want to steal too much thunder from that, but you talk about that a bit in your book as well. And one of the things I found really interesting about, about your book and your approach to disability ministry is so much of it can be applied far more broadly Mm -hmm. than just disability ministry. Like there's yeah. so many times where I was reading and I was thinking, well, this certainly holds true for a whole score of other things. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and that one in particular of having this, when we serve people or when we do mercy ministry of any sort, mm-hmm. are we doing it with a paternalistic or condescending sort of posture of, I think he says, I'm like, oh, look at me helping you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> look, how, look how wonderful I am that I have condescended to help you, oh, poor person. You know, yeah. or whatever it might be. I mean, missions could have that same issue. Um, any sort of outreach could have that same issue. Um, so it, it struck me as I was reading it and it struck me again just now as you were saying it of, man, that, you know, that applies so broadly, but it's yeah, so know, important. Condescension is one problem, um, but another one, like just from my own experience, is I think we do one of two things. We either like deny limitations like like one of the questions i get like often is why do you limit yourself and i always want to say because i'm limited (laughs) yeah like that's the reality of what i experience like you know i mean especially people who things come easy to them they're like well i mean just try harder or i mean and it's i mean that's always frustrating and it's like, no, it's not because I lack faith or whatever. It's that, no, I actually do have to just struggle through. And it's just hard. It just is. And so I think um, 
you're limiting God somehow. I mean, or what I mean, whatever, whatever language we want to yeah. put to that, that I think is um, in the end unhelpful. I think often well-meaning, like yeah. this is especially true when you have like a young idealistic person who's yeah. like, I'm going to inspire you to do things you never thought you could do. And it's just, right. you, you know, it, it just doesn't. Thanks Rudy. It, right. like, you know, and, and, and Matt, you know what? That makes you it, more human, not less. Right. Yeah. Because, right. because it's, that's part of what make is what defines our humanity is the fact right. that we are finite and limited. Right. Right. And we spend right. a good amount of our time trying to deny that. Right. And so, <laughs> and, and so th- th- there, there's that part of it, but then the other thing we do, um, that I, at least that I've experienced is there's um, this sense in which, okay, you have this affliction and the purpose of it is to teach everyone around you life l- lessons. You're so inspiring. And your deal is you're here to teach us all, like you, you're endowed with some kind of a special wisdom because you have this thing. And that's also uh, not true. And yeah. I think is, so we, I mean, I'm, I'm not articulating what I'm saying very well, but like, I mean, you see this in like, fiction around you know the kid with cancer and it's really the kid with cancer who knows what's going on and that's they're they've been given a special wisdom because this thing has happened and really most of the time that's not what happens um we just live with it yeah and we're not necessarily endowed with anything special so background for our listeners i don't know if this has come up on the come up on the podcast at all um i have cerebral palsy and so i'm speaking from like that vantage point um, now that's not to say that I haven't learned th- learned things or haven't there hasn't been a wisdom that's been gained, but that's when we frame it as though that's the primary purpose. When we try and assign purposes to disability, I think we do damage. Yeah. Um, I'm going to help you uh, make meaning of this thing that's happening to you or that you're dealing with, and that's not. I mean, I don't need that from my church, I guess, or from someone who's seeking to help. Uh, that's just another that, that's condescension is what it is in many ways it's i'm we're gonna yeah. make this mean something and really it's sometimes it's just no it's just hard right and, and it doesn't have to like there's no life lesson that has to come there's no i mean it just is yeah it's also like a lot of pressure to put on somebody it yeah is. like our expectation is that you will inspire us right because yeah. you have overcome you know whatever uh that can yeah. that can be its own sort of burden right yeah. Yeah. Sometimes like, I, I've heard that referred to as inspiration porn, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's well, how people with disabilities get used, right? In that yeah. way, uh, almost like a, uh, it's, an, it's a form of objectification, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, you yeah. see it, it's not like a commercial during, you know, whatever of, you know, so and so who overcame great odds. And, and like that's all fine and wonderful. But sometimes those things, it's made as if that's the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas that's, you know, perhaps just a really exceptional case. Or if it, that's, or as if, and this is more insidious, right? As if that's what gives, that's what gives that person's life value, right? right? right. If you don't overcome it, then somehow your life is less significant. And that is not. <laughs> or, yeah. right? or as though overcoming is just one thing, because yeah. Again, for most people with disability, it's a, you know, three steps forward, two steps back kind of deal. I mean, there's days you're overcoming and days that you're not. And there's not like, for most people, there's no moment where, okay, this is behind me now. Like, that's not happening this side of of eternity, you know, so... I have a friend that says disability is not like cancer. You don't get to the other side of it, right? Yeah. 
And that's what, yeah. and that's why people run from it. I think, right. Yeah. They will run from disability engagement in the church because of the relentless nature of it. Right. It's, it right. doesn't, yeah. you don't, it's not like a journey and, and I'm not minimizing cancer in any way, shape or form to anybody right. who is struggling with it or has had it that, that there, that that's not difficult. Right. But there's there, like you just said, there is no end game other than transformation on the other side in eternity right <laughs> yeah. that, it, that right. It, it's and it takes a whole different kind of walking alongside to walk a journey with someone that lasts a lifetime yeah right? yeah and they, that's another good church analogy there i think is that one of the things that we're we're pretty good at crisis care in churches right we know what to do if somebody's house burns down when we know what to do if someone gets cancer there's a death in the family right things that have a short-term resolution right. to right. them in some way shape or form but the things that go on and on and on for decades or even get worse and worse and worse right in disabilities that are degenerative yeah. right over the course of decades we, we're not so um sure what to do right <laughs> with yeah. that because yeah. we're not sure we're comfortable with what it might cost us right well and so we we like things that like have a beginning middle and end yeah closure and and <laughs> right, right. again closure life with disability is not like that right like yeah. there's never going to be a time when i don't walk with a limp at least not this side like that's just not happening for me yeah um there's not like the end of the the, the end of the movie isn't matt walks fine and never falls anymore at least not until jesus returns and remakes me yeah. like that's not happening and so it's hard so so then it's just hard to know what the success looks by looks like so we Sometimes we think it's okay. I'm going to help this person get to where they can be like me or be my, be, yeah. you know, enabled person or whatever it is. Yeah. And that's just not, I mean, that's just not going to happen most yeah. of the time. Yeah. I have one of the things Kevin mentioned, I, I can cover something that's in the first chapter of my book that it, I, what I did in that chapter was look at Say the title uh, of the book again for our listeners, just yeah, in case sorry. they want to go get it. Mm -hmm. Same like different boat coming alongside people touched by disability. Yeah. So what, what I look at in that first chapter is, and, it, and the reason I, that I actually wrote this chapter was, it was my own struggle as a parent, right? Was trying to, to figure out amongst the voices I was hearing, right? <laughs> Not hearing in the psychiatric sense of the word, right? That kind of voices. Hey, but... no judgment if you were. <laughs> All right. I mean, we're here to come along. Not this particular you. case, right? That was <laughs> <Look>. not. <laughs> so, uh, right, that's its own form of disability. So, I'm not dissing yeah. that. I'm just saying that yeah. was not what I was referring to. So, yeah. uh, no, but there the, are different voices in the culture, right? Uh, so, yeah. um, and it was after Tim was born, and and on the one hand, you're hearing what I finally summarized up as the the modernist voice, right? Which was really this idea of modernism is rooted in the enlightenment right and so uh this idea of uh that uh, all of humanity is on this a uh, somewhat linear trajectory towards the utopian vision right and uh and that uh science and reason are pretty much the pathway for getting there right and so the whole medical model of disability and especially the whole idea of institutionalization in the 19th and 20th centuries and all the fixing eliminating perfecting right process as it as it applied to people with disabilities if you couldn't fix or eliminate the disability you fix it through rehab or you eliminate it through abortion right of babies with down syndrome or if you can't do either of those then you segregate right people with disabilities right. into institutional settings so i described that 
worldview as, and a lot of that still exists, right, in people's minds, because a lot of people that were born in the 20th century kind of percolated up, right, <laughs> in that mindset. I call that the uh, the modernist view being that disability is a nor an abnormal part of life in an otherwise normal world, right? Yeah. So, so the people with disabilities are perceived as an aberration, right? And then you have to hear the postmodern voices, <clears throat> which are more, oh, no, 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 disability is not an abnormal part of life in an otherwise normal world. It's a normal part of life in a normal world. And fat, matter of fact, it's just a difference, a difference, no different than hair color, right? And so on the one hand, right, the, the modernist view is all, all heavily weighted on this idea of functional impairment, right? With almost no social element. Right. And you flip the seesaw in the postmodern view, right? So you end up with this thing that's all social aspects of disability and, and so much diminishment of the impairment itself that it's almost not even part of the conversation. Well, it doesn't acknowledge it. Doesn't even acknowledge it, right? Yeah. And and so so that so I said well that's a that's looking at disability as a normal part of life in a normal world. And I think what the biblical view is is it's an it's a normal part of life in that it's to be expected, right? It's an, an in an abnormal world where nothing is as it was originally expected to be, right? right. And so right. and so that that kind of helps you to sort of it's sort of like being at the yeah. Eye doctors, right? And they go better, worse, better, worse. And all of a sudden, it clicks together. <laughs> Your vision comes in. I think that that biblical view of disability helps to hold both things in tension, right? There's a functional impairment, and there is a social dimension, right? Both are real, yeah. and the gospel speaks to both of those things, yeah. right? And it's where That's the hope good. is ultimately. Both of those things. Yeah, I think you wrote that the postmodern view celebrates the diagnosis rather than the individual, right? And whereas, if we, yeah. whereas the biblical view will celebrate the individual. Yes. And, and just acknowledge the diagnosis as an expected or normal um, reality in a broken world, in a fallen right. world. That, that carries with it very significant difficulty for the person who has that diagnosis, right? Uh, yeah. Often in, in, that Matt can testify to and to, sometimes to their family members, right? As well. So when yeah. we, we don't know what to do, there's a lot, you know, so many things in scripture that live in tension. And this is just another yeah. one of those, right? But if we don't like that tension, right? <laughs> right. So we want the tension to go away. And it's like, no, you, that, you know, we need to live with that tension that, that in the already not yetness, right, of, of living in this time period, right, in, in the biblical story is the coexistence right of of difficulty and redemption right um, at the same yeah. at the same time so right yeah yeah that's great stuff so let's take a little bit of a break here okay. uh, everyone out there in podcast land you can grab your favorite beverage and we'll be back in 30 seconds with more <laughs> with stephanie hubach well, uh, welcome back uh, to Matt and Kevin uh, Talk Church. Uh, we're excited to be with you. We are here with Stephanie, and she's been helping us think through a disability ministry and how best to um, remove barriers to the gospel to those who have just a different challenges they're facing. So Stephanie, one of the things we ask all of our guests is, is um, when you're listening to a podcast and you're they're taking a break, uh, what's your beverage of choice? You having coffee? You having tea? Well, like, what are you having? Oh, it's pretty lame. It's water where my ice even melted already. <laughs> awesome. Water with the ice melted. So if that's you listeners, you can write in and go, Stephanie, I'm with you. Send me a Starbucks card. Right. So yeah, somebody, somebody door this woman a mocha. Anyway, um, it's, it's, 
Anyway, so Stephanie, we've been uh, we've been talking about disability, and maybe someone's listening to this, um, and they've just never thought about it yeah. uh, about this topic before. And mm -hmm. so, what's like a starting place that like a church leader or even an individual can do right now without needing a lot of infrastructure uh, to uh, do better as far as ministering to those with just different um, challenges? Mm -hmm. No, that's a really good question. Um, I think one of the I think one of the things that's really helpful is if your church leadership can take some uh, initiative in this area, right? To be self-reflective first, right? right? And so often that does take somebody in the congregation who maybe has a passion, right, to see the church respond more in this way. Uh, but uh, it, it, in terms of the church itself, I think there can just be a lot of value in the elders or whatever your form of church government, right, uses uh, uh, to sit back and say, how, how are we doing in this area? How accessible are we really? And like I said, maybe use some online tools that get that conversation started. Uh, but a lot of it, it requires um, not just, okay, I'd say seeing differently, right? And I would say in two ways. One is first seeing ourselves differently, right? And so what, what we were talking about that condescension before, right? Uh, uh, and when we talk about the whole idea of brokenness that uh, I once heard Tim Keller say one of the, the, the problems with uh, that, the whole issue of poverty and you can make some parallels, right? Between poverty and disability in some ways in terms of a, poverty is the lack of an essential resource, right? Of some type. And then it has a social dimension. Disability itself is you're, you have an impairment in some essential resource of your body, right? Um, and so, but one of the things Keller said is that the problem with talking about brokenness is that people have do tend to use it in condescending ways, which tend to say, well, you're broken. And the implication is then what? But I'm not, right? <laughs> and yeah, so, yeah. so I think at the very heart of things, it has to start at just at a personal level. Do I really understand the gospel that says I am a broken human being? <laughs> and that brokenness can happens in a, a myriad of different ways for every person, yeah. right? So, and that, so that, that's yeah. something I write about. And what I've okay. been working on is how we use sin and brokenness interchangeably. Yeah. And they're different sin yeah. that you repent of and seek to kill it. Yep. Like that's what you're trying to do. Um, brokenness you're seeking healing for. And those are, I'm just not to say there's no overlap at all, but I think we use them interchangeable interchangeably and do damage. So yeah. I don't need to repent of having cerebral palsy. Right. Right. I don't need, I don't need to seek to kill that part of myself um, <laughs> where I might um, greed or I mean something else and so uh, when we use those interchangeably I think we do damage in that yeah. way I think that's a really good point Matt that's a very good yeah. point because because it, brokenness is it is an effect of the fall itself right, right? it's, sin it's is a the cause. product right exactly yeah. sin is the cause right. yeah right, right. It's, it's an so, important distinction yeah and so it's and, and when you think about the power of the gospel it redeems both right right yeah right <laughs> Christ redeems right. us right. from our sin and in his resurrection power, right, brings his restorative power to bear in every way that the fall has affected and created brokenness across our every aspect of our personhood and all of creation, right? right. I mean, it's cosmic. It's yep. Yep. Yeah. So, so, but I do think that gospel-centered, and I don't know, I'm not trying to overuse the term gospel, I'm being quite literal here, right? <laughs> Very gospel-centered understanding that if I don't really understand not only my need for Christ to redeem 
me from my sin, but to restore me in every way that the fall has affected me, right? In my life, ultimately, right? That that ultimate restoration is required of every person needs that, right? Right. And so, and and so if I see myself differently than that, I'm still not seeing myself accurately. Right. And I'm going to tend to see people with disabilities as the other, right. And where it's really just more, one of the things I say in my book is this disability is a more noticeable form of the brokenness and difficulty that's common to the human experience. Right. Right. Uh, And so that this is the more noticeable form of the brokenness and disability that's common to the human experience. And I think if we can spend a little bit of time, a lot, maybe a lot of time centering around that idea before we move forward, right? And spend some time in self-reflection there, right? That goes a long way. And so, so look for so so look for common ground is what you're saying. Like how like how I'm oh, like absolutely. you. How I'm exactly. like you instead of how we're different. Exactly. Exactly. How do I need and to then, minister to in my brokenness? And how can I yeah. Right. And then in my, in my brokenness, how have I created then these barriers, right? How have you become invisible to me, right? <laughs> Partly because right. of how I don't see myself correctly, but how I'm not actually seeing you because I'm not seeing all the barriers that exist in my church culture, right? That are keeping you from either coming at all from the community, right? Or for being a full participant. And one of the ways that I, one of the easy ways I think to help people think through how, how much are people with disabilities actually participating in a congregational life is to do what I, I just call them the five C's, right? So you think of the five fingers on your hand, right? And you go, is a person uh, integrated and involved in corporate worship, right? right? And so it, it is, second is the person have access to and, and personal discipleship and growth through Christian education, right? The next one is, is, is the person experiencing both the ebb and flow, right? The give and take of Christian community. Is that happening in their life? Um, The fourth one is, is that person making a contribution through whatever gifts that that person has, right? And however they're packaged. And that's, again, a seeing thing, right? Often we don't tend to see people's gifts who have disabilities because sometimes they're packaged differently, right? And then the last thing is that is care. Is that person the recipient of care when they need it, right? Just like any other person in the body crisis. So corporate worship, Christian ed, uh, community, contribution, caring, right? Those are ways you can just have very practical ways to how are we doing and, and have that conversation with a person in, with a disability in your, in your church. Good. That's good. Yeah, those are excellent, excellent tools. I'm even thinking just, again, more broadly too, for individuals just in their own lives outside of, <clears throat> excuse me, outside of their church. Uh, I think those those that's a helpful. I mean, you could modify it a bit, uh, you know, t- but to be a helpful sort of diagnostic tool as to how mm-hmm. am I ministering to my neighbors, mm-hmm. um, coworkers, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, so I think there's there's things of seeing, um, and and of course, and you know, Matt, you could speak to this better than I could, but I it's really important that we hear from people who have disabilities themselves. That's why I keep coming back to that because if you try to to uh, quote unquote, solve a problem. Again, this is not a problem. You're looking at really trying to, I would say that when I did uh, disability ministry for MA, we weren't a disability rights organization where we were a bless all the body of Christ organization, right? Yeah. And so, but, but we have a tendency to, to say, oh, I see what needs to be 
do you taking care of? I'm going to do this over here. And we're not even getting the input from the person who it's going to affect. Right. And so it, it again requires of us more collaboration than we like. We like to function more autonomously than that. Right. And, and that doesn't build community. It just creates new sets of problems. So. And that kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about the idea of efficiency, you know, our our love for efficiency and seeing people just as problems to be solved. And because that just inherently has, again, like we said in the earlier part, like it has a finite end date to it. Mm -hmm. Everything else that we do, or most everything else we do has a sort of a finite end date where, okay, now, now it's done and I move on to the next thing. Whereas it's not a problem. It's part of church life. It's, it's, it's just with us just as long as we're with one another. Um, And this, that's just a whole different mindset, I think. And the, and the blessing that people who live, live their lives through a different life experience than you or I might, Kevin, right? Yeah. Bring a whole unique perspective and dimension to congregational life then that enriches our lives yeah. tremendously, right? Um, so again, it's not, you know, it's just, there's so much more <clears throat> synergy going on there in such a good way when, when yeah. there's a healthy, respectful dialogue and a, a genuine valuing of the other person for for who yeah. they are and not as someone to be fixed or or condescended to or disrespected right yeah i mean really anyone who joins a new church you know comes into a church community everyone's got the things that they need <laughs> to be ministered to and everyone's got something yeah. that they bring to the table and so on and so forth and and again you not this again steal too much thunder from your book for when we do have, we promise that future podcast episode about your book, but you talk about this idea of kind of models of belonging and, mm-hmm. and uh, how do we get to this improved community? And, mm-hmm. you know, one, one is that the individual or the family unit who enters into the church has to change to sort of mm-hmm. assimilate to the church. The other is that the church has to upend what they're doing. But the, the third model, the healthy model is that, well, really both have to change. Both have to adjust. Because we're different when a new family comes to our church, that that changes our church, changes who the body of Christ is and our there's disability or not, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, Anybody. I'm just, you know, we have had several new families the last month or so. It's like, well, they're going to change our church in ways that we haven't figured out yet. But in some ways, you know, probably relatively small ways, but they're going to, they're going to change who we are as, as a local church body. And yet we do that dance all the time, right, Kevin, without even thinking about it. Right. right. But as soon as somebody has a disability, all of a sudden it becomes it in our minds, it becomes a, a bigger or a different thing when it's right. not it, really a different it, thing. It, look, to be fair, it, it yeah. is a different thing. Yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, it, it, it is that there is a difference there, but that doesn't mean that 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 that's other. Um, right. Again, there's that tension of, listen, I, I want it to be acknowledged that I've got something I deal uh, that I deal with. But I don't want that to be the only thing right. that's true about me or the only thing that's that you even think of when you think of me. So like th- there's that I mean, there's a tension there. It's fair enough for churches to go, you know what? Um, we don't know how to do this. And the reason we don't know how to do it is because it's different. Right. It is different. Like you've got a you've got a kid with severe uh, disabilities in your Sunday school class. That's going to affect everyone. Right. And, right. and that's like and, and that's OK. Like that's, and, and you and you just have to acknowledge that and own it. You don't have to adjust the same way that you do when 
you know, a family of four comes in and now you've got four other kids that you don't normally, I mean, there's adjusting, but it's not the same. It's a difference of degree. That's how I like to look at it. Is that in a sense, the dance is the same, right? That's what I'm saying. I think it's the same dance of adjustment. No, if you saw my book, Matt, you'd see there's a triangle. Like, so then person A is on the left and the church B is on the right. And then they go to this higher level C right at the top of the triangle. And so it's, um, so, but I I agree. It's It's a much larger, more exaggerated movement to get to see, right? The right. bigger the disability is. Yes, I absolutely agree. It's on page 174 right here. There it is. I, there I just showed it to the camera that no one else can Dude, see. Dude, you're such a teacher's pet. You're so, <laughs> like, my gosh. <laughs> Kevin's got his hand in the air. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, my gosh. Call me, that call guy. Me. You know, you know the, when I, in the new edition of the book, is the uh, I referred to some of Andy Crouch's work. He I don't know if you guys have read his book, Strong and Weak. Yep. Yeah, yep. I love that book. And so one of the things I really like about it is how he talks about how true flourishing, right, comes at the intersection of authority and vulnerability, right? Yeah. Where he defines authority as capacity for meaningful action and vulnerability as exposure to meaningful risk. And so yeah. he uses that example, um, which I'm sure you remember, Matt, in there, his niece, I think, who had profound disabilities, right? And how... And he uses Angela as an example of a flourishing life, right? Because of how her her capacity for meaningful action is to draw from others, right? The care needed to provide for the meaningful risks that she experienced in life with profound disabilities, right? And how that actually created community in her family. And, and the same thing is true of the church, right? So that's saving so us. We, we balk at, at giving of ourselves to other people. It's the very thing that's needed in order for that kind of deep community to actually take root. Right. Yeah. So we have to resist the very thing we need. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. yeah, that's good. So, so yeah, it's a journey, right? It's a process. And like Matt, I think it's really important to point out what you said that, that it is, it is okay to say, I don't know how to do this. Um, what's not okay is say, I don't know how to do this. So you need to go somewhere else. (laughs) And that's where the problem comes in. Right. And so instead to say, I don't know how to do this, but I'll find out. Right. And that's, you know, I'll find, we'll figure, we'll find a way. We'll find a way. Yeah. So there's, there's like a posture of like humility church leaders need to have about saying, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. Yeah. Um, and like some patience and grace needed from, families with children with disabilities to go you know what they're not going to do this right right it's going to take a while right because like the wrong response is to say go somewhere else mm -hmm. but it's also the wrong response to go you know what we're just going to go somewhere that knows how to do this right like because that's also i mean there's and there is a big danger for that right because parents for example of kids with disabilities i just know this from my own experience right Uh, when you are right in the throes of trying to get your kids through the school system and do the whole IEP process, right? There there can be a lot of, um, of combat (laughs) for even though it may be not, not so overt, but certainly there's, there's a lot of stress involved in that. And combat's a good word for it. Look, man, my mom was a straight up like, man. Yeah. She advocated for me big. Yeah. So the, the problem is when that gets carried over into the church, right. Assuming that when we make assumptions that no one wants to do this for me, instead of that, no one knows how, but I need to give them time to learn. Right. And, right. and so um, that's, that's where it can get a little bit. 
Right. Statement. I totally agree too. This takes a lot of grace, grace yeah. and humility, yeah. uh, which is also good. Good to grow those things, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, I don't know that I have anything to add to what you've said. What you've said is all um okay. really good. I, I I guess the one thing I would say um mm -hmm. is for me how being a person who has challenges has mm -hmm. affected me as a preacher and teacher mm. is the resurrection and having a resurrected body matters so much to me. Mm. And so I flesh that out a lot. Uh, the story yeah. I tell often uh, is when I was in kindergarten, I was going to this special school for kids with disabilities. I rode on a bus from Evergreen to Denver. It's about an hour uh, to get there. And about a couple months into the school year, my uh, parents get called in because they're a little concerned about me um, because I'm not dealing with like the reality of my condition. Matt needs to face that he's disabled is basically the, uh, the message I want to give my parents. And so they call them in and they go, we're a little concerned about Matt because uh, he keeps talking about how one day he's going to have a new body. Yeah. And we're just not, I mean, we're, we're, <laughs> we're worried that he doesn't get it. Um, he needs to face reality. And my mom being the kind of, you know, spitfire that she was all five foot. One of her says, <laughs> No, it's you who needs to get in touch with reality. Uh, he, 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 one day he is going to have a resurrected body that's going to, I mean, this is what he's talking about. That's great. Um, and so, like, <laughs> for me, that was like, that was my parents emphasized that. Not be, and, and the thing is, they didn't do it in a way that made me think I was broken. It was a way that made me think that one day um, I was going to be uh, renewed. Right. And that a, that a day was coming when that would happen. And so I began to look forward, to, look forward to that when I was five. Yeah. Um, and I still look forward to it. And yeah. uh, so that for me, that's just really informed how I preach and teach, I guess, is what I would say about that. And what I would and I guess I would say disabled or not, that's something we need to hear. Like that's part of the gospel that. Uh, we're going, things are going to be restored and renewed and made new, not least of all your body, like right. the ache in your knee right. and the crick in your back is going to be made well. And not only is it okay to look forward to and long for that, you should. Yes. Um, yeah. That's, that, that's part of what it means to live in expectant hope. Um. So for me, that's, that's always been an emphasis. That's probably way more of an answer than you were looking for. But that's no, it's fabulous. I'd love to hear yeah. you on Easter Sunday sometime. <laughs> I would. Yeah. You know, because the, the hope of the resurrection is exactly that. I mean, it's and like yeah. it's just like you said, it 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 should be our the heartbeat of our hope yeah. in all things for everybody, right? Yeah. If we really understand that all the 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 effects of the fall in every arena of life and how universal, pervasive, and alienating they are, right? Then yeah. then then we can really celebrate the yeah. power of the gospel in in uh the, in the second coming and the consummation of all things, yeah. right? Because then it's it's all things made new. 
Yeah. Not not yeah. just normal, but new. Yeah. And I guess right. I guess right. like part and I guess part of what gives context to that for I me mean, again, just for me. I and mm -hmm. I'm not saying that this is everybody's experience or should be everyone's experience, but for me, like when you're 12 years old and you can't tie your shoes, um, like there's no pretending that you're cool. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like th th there's no like you're not going to try and pass yourself off as um, having it together somehow. Like I had, I literally had to have people tie my shoes for me Yeah. in seventh grade. And so um, that fostered in me a kind of dependence mm -hmm. um, that I think has been good. Again, that's part of what my book is about is about how really I've been discipled by it yeah. and it's been a gift to me for my sanctification. And so, yes. um, and so that's informed everything. Um, mm -hmm. like I, I don't, I, I, there's no pretending I've got it together because in, at any moment I could fall flat on my face, literally. So, um, I, I don't have that, that luxury was not given to me and that it wasn't, is not like a deficit. It's a gift. Right. Cause you don't have that limitation, right? Of being well, able to you know, I just it. have my limitations. <laughs> right? My limitations yeah. are the thing that is that, that have discipled me and what it means to depend on Jesus. Yes. Because I, the macho, I can do anything thing was not an option for me because I wasn't, I wasn't going to be able to pull that off. Yeah. And so I had to figure out instead, okay, dependence is the deal. And that's, that's really the only way to get from here to there. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. That, that, and see that as a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, that, that took me a long time, but yeah. I don't know if any of that is usable, Kevin, you'll have to like edit that somehow to make it no, usable. That's, but absolutely. Sure, that, right. That's a, that's a great place to wrap up. I think yeah. that's a beautiful mm -hmm. word. And especially this Easter season to, yeah, to end on, you know, the hope of the resurrection. Yeah. And how that plays out in your life, particularly. Yeah. So, like for me, it's not academic. It's right. yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, nothing yeah. theoretical about it, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, thank that thank you great. both. Thank you, guys. That was thank, fun. Yeah, thank you both. I've just appreciated just being able to do most of the listening. I've I've really I have I enjoyed that way more than I intended to. I need to like <laughs> keep my trap shut. Not at all, Matt. I wanted yeah. to hear. I wanted to hear from. I, I kept asking you questions. Got to be like, I want to hear what you would say about this. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Well, really like I said, I, I've really enjoyed it. And uh, we do hope, Stephanie, that you can come on again sometime sure. uh, in the near future and talk more. Um, it would just be wonderful. Uh, for all of you out there in podcast land, uh, if you want some more from Steph, you can always go. She has her own website. She has her own dot com. Just she's wow. a bit, she's maybe the most famous person we've had on here. <laughs> <laughs> You guys need to up your game. <laughs> well, that might be true too. Let's get Stephanie a blue check. Let's let, let, let's get it done. Anyway. But you can go to stephaniehubach.com. First yeah. last name.com. I can only hope to be there someday. Stephanie Hubach, that's H-U-B-A-C-H.com. And you can find more of Steph's resources in her book, Same Lake, Different Boat. Um, again, hopefully we'll talk about that more on a future podcast episode but in the meanwhile you've been listening to matt and kevin talk church we hope that what you've heard has been helpful and edifying if you have any questions you'd like for us to answer or more likely you would like stuff to answer you can always email us at matt and kevin talk church at gmail.com and we'll just forward it over to Steph. or you can always follow us on twitter at mktc 
that being said, I'm Matt. And I'm Kevin. And she's Stephanie Hubach. And we've been talking church and disability. Be warm and be fed. <laughs> <laughs>